Everybody bring it in. We have a jam-packed, loaded, honestly insane episode today because the sports world decided that this week in the middle of July, which is the deadest, most boring time of year for sports, the, the sports world just blew up, just absolutely blew up, imploded in on itself. We have a new NBA champion. We got college football insanity. We have all sorts of politics being mixed with the NFL and COVID and all this crazy shit all going on at the same time. And there's not a better person in the world to break it down with me than my good buddy, Brian San Vito. And Vito, we just came back from a bachelor party. So neither of us were in the state of mind to be able to handle this. And we will get to that at the end. We will recap our over-under picks. I kept track of them throughout the weekend. But buddy, how are you feeling? Have you recovered after the weekend? Because right now, if you're listening, you're like, Jeff's voice sounds gravelly and kind of like he's going through puberty at the moment. Uh, how are you feeling, dude? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, uh, I had last week off. Um, I did that the pod with you remotely kind of um, just on the phone to get the over underlines last week on Thursday, then rolled to this bachelor party, got to meet you for the first time, which yeah. is pretty awesome in person. We hit some golf. We drank a lot. We partied it up. Um, but yeah, feeling good. I got to say, uh, you know, um, I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign, but uh, <laughs> feel good. Went out last night, had some axe throwing playoffs and, uh, you know, drank some more. So it's just been a, it's been a good, it's been a good couple of weeks, man. Really enjoyable yeah. time. Yeah, Mon Monday and Tuesday were both pretty rough for me. And uh, and the voice is still kind of reflecting that. But look, we're here. We're good. Been hydrating like hell. Been sweating it out of the system. And honestly, again, with, with all of this craziness going on in the sports world, that's kind of been the thing that's drugged me through all of this. Uh, and, and I think first and foremost, we have to start with we have a new NBA champion, which is Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks winning, coming down from 2-0 against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Giannis dropping 50 in game six to win it at home. Uh, Milwaukee was going nuts. There were 65,000 people outside of the stadium alone. <laughs> it, it, was, it was an unreal scene for what has just been a phenomenal, uh, just a phenomenal NBA Finals. I mean, after game two, Everyone's sitting here thinking, man, like, are, are the are the Suns going to win this? Suns in four. The Suns in four guy, you know, is trying to trademark it. And, and honestly, that's a whole bit of karmic, you know, crap that's kind of going to come back to haunt Suns fans, I think, for a while. But look, first championship in, since 1971. We're going on 50 years since the Bucs won an NBA title to match Giannis's 50-point performance. It was very serendipitous. And honestly, this whole NBA season has just been a roller coaster with everything from COVID or whatever. And to see a guy as likable as Giannis be the one to hoist the trophy at the end in such a dominant fashion, especially in games three through six, uh, it was just absolutely great. So, Vito, give me your thoughts watching the game on Tuesday night. What, what did you make of Giannis and the Bucks bringing home the Larry O'Brien trophy to Milwaukee? Well, I think obviously Giannis is just a beast and, and just what I loved is they went down 2-0 and there were some great betting lines started to come out. And then you realize like, and I was on Phoenix's side the whole time. I thought like, yeah, but, but the bucks, they're not going to go down without a fight. You know, they're going to come back here. They're the best player in the world, arguably. And uh, he proved it this week. I mean, that, that was an insane performance 
to drop 50 in the finals, let alone in a game to clinch it. Right. Like that's, that's the story there for me. And also like you're saying for, for the entire area. And I think with the world opening back up, a lot of restrictions have been lifted more and more. And, and not only that, because restrictions have been lifted for a little bit here, but people are much more comfortable with it now. There's a lot more people vaccinated uh, everywhere. And, and I think just seeing the amount of people that were celebrating in these big groups, we saw it a little bit, or we, we definitely saw it in the Euro finals. Um, but, you know, that was a couple different countries. This hit way closer to home. And it was great to see that. It was great to see some of the stuff from the parade already um, and, and just all the celebratory uh, you know, events that go along with winning a championship. It's just so great to see. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I haven't seen all the highlights from the parade and I'm curious if uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were even able to go because they had to get on a plane to go to Tokyo for the Olympics. Oh, that's with right. Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how, how brutal was that, man? I mean, that's stop. but, but you hit it on the head. I mean, the celebra- the celebration, everything was phenomenal. And, and seeing a city like that who, I mean, outside of the Packers really, you know, and, and that's honestly pretty much it. I've not really had a whole lot of sports, uh, main time, big, big time sports moments. And, and this is one of those all time type of events. You know, this is one of those Giannis trying to assert himself as the best in the world. And, you know, one of the things I'm not a huge fan of is you know, right after you have these championships is honestly one of the times that people shouldn't listen to sports media people so heavily because we get wrapped up. We get so caught up in the moment, right? Giannis is the best player in the world. And you know what? It's hard to argue that after what we saw, but also if Kevin Durant's foot is a half inch further back when he's hitting that, what he thought was going to be a game winning three, the Bucks would have been eliminating game seven, not even made to the Eastern Conference Finals. Coach Bud is probably fired. And now we're looking at, all right, what's wrong with this Milwaukee team? Or is anybody going to beat <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets ever again, right? So it, it's razor thin the margin as to whether or not you can actually pull off these championships, right? Like the difference between winning and losing is super super thin and i'm not gonna sit here and be the guy who's like a negative jerk about it and being like nope Giannis, it's ridiculous kevin durant he's got a better handle he can shoot it better he's just all-around better player like no like you give Giannis his due because Giannis was absolutely unbelievable chris middleton the amount of big shots he had at one point he had like a cut like next to his eye like there was blood coming down his face in game six he plays through he hit the biggest shot of the game despite only having 17 points and to close out in game six and this was Giannis's game but bigger than that this is one of the most incredible finals games we've ever seen I mean this is up there with LeBron in game seven with the, you know, with the Cavs coming back from 16, you know, 2016 coming back from down three, one, right? Like this is up there, especially considering the storyline going down two Oh, and they fought back pretty much with the exception of the heat series. They've had to fight back in pretty much every series, you know, uh, Atlanta took game one, Brooklyn took the first two games and it was really impressive all in all to see what we saw here. But how do you feel in general about when, when we talk about these, these sports figures and we can cite the Joe Flacco's and the Nick Foles, Oh, Nick Foles needs to start next year. Not Carson Wentz, right? We can talk about these moments, but we're so reactionary because when you see someone do it on the biggest stage, it's hard not to kind of have your brain jump immediately to that point. You're absolutely right. We have to remember how, um, 
specifically, I think we have this problem in American sports a lot more than even soccer does because what'll happen there is there's the amount of seasons or the, there's the amount of games in a season. They play them all. Maybe there's a tournament here or there that we have, right? The Euro tournament and the world cup every once in a while where a player can shine, but in American sports, you shine the playoffs. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, there are moments here or there that stand out like OBJ's catch. Everyone will remember forever, but like, he hasn't done anything insane in the playoffs to make him stand out beyond that. But that's what I'm saying. Most other guys, when you think of their moments, they all come in the playoffs. Um, that's when we gravitate towards people. So I think you're right, especially in the finals, especially in the Super Bowl, World Series. So when a moment like this happens for a player who is already at that top-notch level, that top tier, uh, this is what can just, you know, launch you off like Bezos and take you to outer space, you know? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he only kind of got into outer space, even, even with that. <laughs> but so here's an amazing thing, right? So Giannis has two MVPs, a defensive player of the year, a championship, and an NBA Finals MVP. And there's only one other player in NBA history who has that. It's Michael Jordan. And Giannis is 26 years old. Whoa. Right? Like, like we're talking about, and I, I, I kind of want to double check that because maybe they just didn't give out a defensive player of the year award or something. But like, I don't know how Bill Russell wouldn't also have those. Um, but still at 26 yeah. to have a, accomplished this by now, you know, people are already saying like, if his career ended, ended today, where would he be on the all-time ranks? And, you know, I, I'm a very, I'm very big on like, let's be present. You know, like when we all, we all watched the last dance, I don't want to say everybody, cause not necessarily everybody watched the last dance, but a significant amount of people watched the last dance, whether you're a sports fan or not. And one of the amazing things about Michael Jordan was this unbelievable ability to, in every aspect of his life, be present in that moment, almost to a fault. You know, I was listening to Dan Patrick uh, today. He was on with Ryan Rosillo and he was telling this story about Michael Jordan after winning his last title going, you know, talking to him in between breaks with the sports center live interviews in the locker room with him and being like, Hey, you know, it's a real shame that you're retiring. And, and Michael's like, well, why is that? And jokingly, Dan Patrick is like, well, I wanted to get a chance to guard you. I think I could take you, you know? And Michael Jordan says, hell you just say. And he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, like I, I could guard you. And he goes, stand the fuck up. And he stands and the two of them stand up. He's like, how are you going to guard me? And he's like, I, I don't know, but like my forearm and you goes, man, I would whoop your ass. <laughs> and I love that story because even in the middle of celebrating his sixth championship, uh, completing the last dance, this unbelievable miracle run that he's, that he's had in his career. He still wants to talk trash to Dan Patrick, a sports yeah. center anchor, you know, and we need to have more of that when we talk about sports because sports are at the end of the day supposed to be fun. Let's not worry about where Giannis ranks already. And I get it. If you're on first take, if you're on first things first, you're undisputed, you need that shit. You need this, this fodder to kind of go after. But as fans, let's not get onto Twitter immediately and go, oh my God, Giannis is the greatest. Oh, there's unbelievable best performance I've ever seen in my life. Like, let's just sit there and go, what we just witnessed was unfreaking real and we really just need to appreciate it because you're not going to see this what we saw in this whole finals even just the storylines and the chris paul aspect and everything about it you're not going to see this kind of finals every year you're going to have your la and miami heat series like last year you know you're going to have your all right this team this warriors team's on a dynasty and they're just going to absolutely steamroll lebron because lebron doesn't have the help in order to hang with them 
you know? So like, let's just take that moment to just be like, damn, what they, what these guys did is, is just freaking crazy. And I don't think we have enough of that in sports. I would agree. I, I think that it's really hard when you start thinking about um, a championship, the question's always just turn to the next year. Can they repeat what's going on? It does this team who lost need to rebuild, like you were saying earlier, right? It, it all fluctuates um, and talk more about that. You know, it's more interesting and it's more attention grabbing to look ahead, but that was an incredible game and an incredible series. I, I before this whole playoff run, we talked about it on the pod. Like, I, I'm not a huge NBA person. I didn't watch a lot of regular season, but I did watch a lot of playoffs this year. And I, I it was specifically these later rounds and it was really fun. Yeah, I, I thought the playoffs this year as a whole and kind of taking a moment to reflect on what we've witnessed because, you know, thinking back when we did that first playoff podcast was you, me, and Scotty. I was on the beach that weekend, which if I'm thinking right, I think was at the end of April or so, right? So we're talking about, you know, the NBA playoffs is like a two-month thing. You know, like we're, we're going on a, a two-month journey through these playoffs. And throughout all the storylines, all the teams, all the different matchups that we had, it really has been a really fun playoffs to be a part of. Uh, and from my perspective, at least, you know, fans, all fandom aside, you know, let's just take a moment to reflect on, on what, what we saw from, from start to finish, right? Whether it was this, oh my God, are the Brooklyn Nets just an unbelievable team? Like, are they going to be absolutely unbeatable? Is it what's Jokic going to be like after he wins the MVP? Uh, Dame Lillard getting bounced out of the playoffs again in the first round. And now is he going to try to one out of Portland? Uh, the LA Lakers getting upset in the first round, right? Like we're, the LA Lakers losing to Chris Paul, Chris Paul coming back from, uh, you know, against the Clippers and then closing out a game seven or game six in LA to send himself to the NBA finals. The uh, Kevin Durant's foot being on the line, Trey Young taking the Atlanta Hawks all the way to this un believable run that no one thought past possible knocking out the one seed Philadelphia 76ers, the Ben Simmons storylines, right? It's just one thing after another, after another. And it all culminates in this moment of Giannis has been the best player in this playoffs. He did what he had to do. The Bucks did what they had to do. And maybe the, maybe the Nets were a Kyrie Irving ankle injury or a Kevin Durant being a half inch too far over the line away from going to the NBA finals and potentially winning the finals. But that's not what happened. What did happen was Giannis showing just how dominant he can be and eliminating the questions that have been surrounding this Bucks team over the last, you know, six or seven years. And for Giannis to come as far as he has from being the 15th overall pick to being undersized and then growing three and a half inches in less than a year, to now filling out his frame, to now developing in his story from Greece where he was selling sneakers and keychains on the streets in Greece with his brothers, to now being an NBA Finals MVP and, and one of the best players of this modern generation is just something to really take a moment back and be like, damn, like this, is just, this has just been an unbelievable ride, especially considering all of the heat that the NBA has gotten over the last year and the declining ratings and people thinking that they're not necessarily interested in that anymore, you know? So I, all in all, I, I sit here and I think, damn, like what a run this has been for the NBA and for the playoffs. I agree. I think this has been a, a 
better basketball season than I could have hoped for. Um, personally, like, uh, I really enjoyed that. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. We'll see what happens next year, but, uh, hopefully I'll watch as much or more, but, um, I have to say, even throughout all this, like, you know, stories like the ones that broke today are the ones that still grab our attention the most, I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, as much as I I can pontificate on NBA basketball and and the season, and I I think I'm going to do a pod next week where I'm just kind of doing a a full kind of recap on everything. You and I have college football in our bloods, right? Like you and I go back to that as kind of our, our core base. And I think the news that has come out over the last 24 hours about Texas and Oklahoma potentially leaving and going through a whole nother slate of this conference realignment, but in a completely different way than we've ever really seen it before. It's something that, you know, as my, again, as much as I want to keep talking about the NBA right now, this was the story that I, I have been the most focused on here over the last 24 hours. And if you haven't seen it, Texas and Oklahoma are allegedly uh, there were reports coming out from anonymous sources that they had uh, people from each schools had inquired to the SEC about leaving the Big 12 and joining the SEC, the already loaded powerhouse SEC. Now, we'll get into some of the nitty gritty here, dude, but gut reaction when you saw this story, what what were you like, what went through your mind? What's the first thing that you thought of? I was instantly thinking, okay, which side, you know, are they going to be on the West now? This is crazy. I instantly I'm thinking it's happening. And what does that conference alignment look like? And then it it actually had me thinking about at this point, if they lose those teams, what does the big 12 do? Do they become, you know, are, are we going to a four conference, four major conferences? You know, some of them start bouncing to the PAC 12, Maybe someone hits the Big Ten, and then all of a sudden we start. We just have really four, and I guess still the ACC, but you know what I mean. Like it, it still, um, you have those ones, and you get rid of the the Big Twelve and see what happens. So like, it's just, it was going to be an interesting dynamic, and my brain instantly just started rattling off all those little, all those little breaks, you know, and and what could happen. What what did you think? Um, my my first reaction was honestly, was like, first it was like what. Like just it came across my desk. Like, you know, I've said on this pod a million times, I work in college sports. I work in the media side of college sports. So realignment is something that gets talked about a lot in in college sports, but we really haven't had it for, you know, the better part of the last decade, you know, we haven't had to deal with this. And then my second thought was immediately like horns fucking down, dude. Like what, you know, like this, this is terrible. This to me is, is it's not bad, but it's, it's as drastic of a shift to the dynamic of college sports as we, more than NIL even, you know, I mean, there's an argument to me with the amateur side of it, that that is a more drastic change mm-hmm. in terms of just the, the fabric of it. But in terms of what you actually see with college sports, particularly with college football, this will change everything this is bigger than an expanded playoff this is bigger than nil this this will actively change what we see on a field and what we see on saturdays in the fall more than any other change that we've really ever seen because we're not talking about conference realignment where schools are being added to all these different conferences we're talking about the potential destruction of a 
borderline historic college football conference. And we're talking about schools like TCU, who has been on the cusp of a college football playoff. Same thing with Baylor. We're talking about a team like Iowa State, who is in as good of a state as they've ever been in 100-plus years of being a, a university with a football team. Iowa State was honestly like one of my first thoughts. Like, is this a good thing for Iowa State? Because if we have an expanded playoff and the Big 12 stays, but then they become the Big 10 or whatever, or the the Big 11, whatever you want to call them, right? And we bring, and they, or they bring in, you know, Cincinnati and Houston, and then they stay the Big 12, but it's just a less talented Big 12 without the marketability of Oklahoma and Texas. You know, what does that mean there? And, but is that a good thing for Iowa State? Is that a good thing for TCO if we have a 12 team playoff? And the, pro- the thing with this video is there are so many potential ripple effects that come along. And shortly after, uh, we were talking about this today on the radio show. Like, like we have, we had SEC media days, ACC media days, and Big Ten media days all going on at the exact same time. And we spent three hours literally just talking about this. We cut away to live interviews twice throughout the day from media days. And then the rest of the three hours was nothing but this, because there are so many consequences of a decision like this. And what sucks is it's not about Texas being good. There are 48, 48 division one programs, FBS programs that have more wins in the last 10 years than Texas. 48, right? That's, Absolutely surprising. It's it's a massive number, but Wall Street Journal uh, within the last year did an evaluation of the most valuable college teams if they were on like an open market, just based based off of brand and and awareness and reach and all that kind of stuff. And Texas was number one by a lot because Texas is a massive massive state. So the ripple effects that come out uh, that come out of this, on top of the the news from Mark Emmert that dropped last week in the interview with Andy Katz, where he was basically saying that they're kind of thinking about, you know, not folding the NCAA, but basically the NCAA losing its governorship over college sports as a whole. And then does that mean that, all right, the top 32 college football teams break off and then they just become their own separate entity aside from college, aside from the NCAA, like there's so many other ripple effects in this. And honestly, like, What's like of all of that, and I know I just laid out a million different things there, <laughs> but it's it's hard to wrap your brain around how much of this can really affect what we're going to see in college football over the next five to ten years. Well, for me, I think the craziest thing is that we've spent Texas, right, is the biggest brand out there. Um, th- they just are in college sports; they're up there with everyone else. But the fact that uh, the, the wins that you railed um, that you listed off is surprising to me that they haven't had as much success, even though I, I know they've had down years, but it's just kind of wild how long it's been, you know, for them. And we're but talking about like Kansas end, state has more wins in the last 10 years, you so know, wild. in the same that's conference. So wild. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and talking about that conference. And then if Oklahoma goes like now we're talking about a rivalry, that's like Ohio state and Michigan or Auburn, Alabama being like, we're going to join the ACC. Yeah. Like, that's, that's absolutely crazy to me. Like what that's saying is that, they are worth more than that entire conference. And at that point, like that, where my mind also is going, is like, well, why, why are you even joining a conference? Texas three is a longhorn network. Go ahead to deal with somebody else and just become the next Notre Dame. Why aren't more schools going independent if Notre Dame is making so much money? Cause it, it couldn't be everyone, but Notre Dame, Texas, you know, some of these bigger programs could do that. Yeah. And, and ultimately 
Now, the Longhorn Network has been, I don't want to say a colossal failure, but it, it kind of hemorrhages money, right? It does not do great. It does great amongst Texas fans. It does enough for it to be around as long as it has. Right. But it, it's there's a reason that ESPN floats it, right? There's a reason that ESPN owns the property of it because at the, at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't successful enough to be on its own. The Notre Dame aspect is that they have a direct contract with NBC, Right. So right. they have their their own network broadcasting just NBC does one college football game every single week. And it's whoever the hell Notre Dame is playing and Notre Dame. So uh, it, it is it is still baffling to me trying to put just wrap my head around the amount of different, you know, unintended consequences this can have. You know, the, the Big 12 will would basically cease to exist. And look, there will be opportunities, especially, again, with an expanded playoff. There will be opportunities for your Oklahoma States and your Kansas States and your TCUs and Iowa State, right? And then maybe they do extend an invitation to Cincinnati. Maybe they do extend an invitation to Houston or UCF to join the Big 12. But at that point, the quality of your conference drops so significantly on top of the fact that the two biggest brands of your con of your conference are gone. And this is where the most important thing to remember about this is, is that this entire decision is predicated on nothing other than money, right? The big 12 tried to renegotiate an extension and rework a new TV deal within the last year with ESPN and with Fox. And they just flat out said no, but last summer during the pandemic, the SEC lost, well, the CBS lost their rights to all of those uh, SEC games to ESPN in an unprecedented level deal in the middle of a pandemic. And so Oklahoma and Texas are sitting there going, well, Fox and ESPN doesn't want to do that when we're part of the Big 12. We want the long-term security and we add value for the TV contracts down the road. We want to go to the SEC. We want to go where there's going to be bigger money. And basically creating this massive conglomerate of tv contracts and then you look even within the sec right how does this affect vanderbilt how does this affect missouri how does it affect arkansas or kentucky right you know yes we're, we're gonna have your alabamas and your auburns and your georgias and floridas and, and lsu and all these big time programs that are still already recruiting at a super high level and don't get me wrong it's kind of like the super league in uh yeah. we were talking about right over in, in the european side for for soccer yeah everyone would love it like from a like, who wouldn't love to watch you know the the paris playing you know man city every single week right who wouldn't love to watch these top level programs uh going at it just like we would in the sec like it would be sweet to see oklahoma and alabama have to play every single year but what does that do? Is that a good thing for college football as a whole? And I find it really hard to argue that it would be. Now, it's important to note that of the 14 teams in the SEC, they need, uh, I believe they need 11 votes yes in order to right. pass it, right? So already we've seen Texas A&M, like you mentioned earlier, Texas A&M, they're going to be absolutely against this. Missouri, a team that used to be in the Big 12, is absolutely going to be against this. And I think Arkansas – as, as, you know, as good of a job as I think Sam Pittman's doing there, I think Arkansas is going to be against this. So then is there one more person that we need to flip? It's like Survivor. Who's that last guy that you need to flip to join your alliance to get what you want voted? And I don't know if there is going to be another one. I don't know what the fallout of this would, would be necessarily in terms of the votes. 
But what I do know is that nobody knows. And what I do know is that nobody knows how this is going to impact. Even think about the Big Ten, right? You're a Big Ten guy. Let's say this does happen and the Big Ten goes, well, if the SEC is doing this, we got to do something. Who is the Big Ten adding to the Big Ten? Cincinnati? Cincinnati? Maybe. Yeah. And then like uh, the only thing I can think of is, is I talked about this recently with some friends. At what point does the big 10 make a money run for Notre Dame? I don't think they can do it though. Like I don't, they they can't afford it. No, because, because of the deal that Notre Dame already has with, with NBC, because you got to remember like, this is all tied into the TV contracts. That's where all this money is coming from. Exactly. Right. So Notre Dame, they're getting paid so much from NBC that there is no conference. It's why they've never fully joined the ACC from the football side, because no matter how good Clemson or North Carolina or Florida state or any of these other schools in the ACC have done over, you know, recent years, you're there. No amount of TV money is ever going to match what Notre Dame gets just from NBC alone. And so that's just never going to happen. There's no incentive, especially when you consider that all their other sports get to be a part of the ACC there's literally no incentive for Notre Dame to join anywhere. So the Big Ten can try, but Notre Dame's just like, no, just screw off. I don't, I don't want your money. Like, no, I'm, we're good. Like, I don't, I don't want to lose money and then go join a competitive as hell conference and then risk us going to the you know college football playoff every couple of years. And then with an expanded playoff, Notre Dame's going to get in every single year. Now, I don't know if this will change, you know, guarantees with the playoff right? Because we probably won't have a power five anymore. I, it, it is, there's so many unanswered questions. You look at a team like, like does West Virginia want to move to the ACC? Like, is that a move that people would want to do? But they are, they got shut out of it when they did conference realignment before with yeah. the big East in the ACC. And they were like, we'll, we'll take Pitt and Syracuse, but no West Virginia, we're good. You know? And, and it, it leads to just a whole lot of ultimately separating the gap in college football there's already a gap there and the whole point of expanding the playoff is to shorten that gap even something like nil has effects that would hopefully shorten that gap Mm -hmm. you know and and the nick sabans of the world trying to fight that that's why he said you know bryce young before even starting a single game for alabama has already made a million dollars worth of nil stuff and uh nil deals that Nick Saban said that very specifically because he wants all of the recruits to know that you don't even have to start a game for Alabama. If yeah. you're just the projected starter as the top level quarterback recruit, you're going to make a million dollars on NIL, if not more. And all these coaches are going to be down for it in that conference because they want more money. And, and if, if you're in the SEC and you're a head coach, you're making $10 million a year. Well, that's going to turn into $15 million a year. You're making $6 million a year. That's going to turn into $10 million a year. You know, and it just will continue to spiral. And I look out in the West Coast and the West Coast, after having Larry Scott as the commissioner for the last few years, who just did an absolutely horrific job managing them. They have a new commissioner in George Klyovkov, who I actually think very highly of. But now we have a team like Oregon, who's got Mario Cristobal and all the amenities in the world from the Nike connections and Phil, Phil Knight and everything they have going on over there. Would Oregon ever entertain going to the Big Ten? You know, I mean, Northwestern's not that far. I mean, it's far. It's all on the West Coast. But, I mean, <laughs> these are all realistic. It sounds crazy, but these are all realistic things, man. Don't you think? I think I think there's a limit, but I do agree with you that once once one move happens, it's like dominoes. Like, it, we had that alignment 
you know, whatever it was, eight, nine, 10 years ago, almost how old are we now? But, uh, <laughs> but when that all happened, <clears throat> I remember it was a lot long ago because I was still playing the NCAA football games and it was like the leaders and legends conferences for like one year in the big 10 or two. Yeah. But as we're going through all of this, like it happens in these spurts, right? It doesn't happen all the time, but when, when one move or two moves happen, others do. So I don't know if this is just roar to get the money, you know, or what's going on here. But if this, if something real shakes out here um, of even, like I said, going independent or something. I don't know what that looks like, but if any of this happens, it would have a big effect on some other programs and other conferences that we are not even thinking about, you know? Yeah. I mean, just take a look at the group of five, right? I mean, we all, the Americans competitive, we've seen what they've done with Houston, Cincinnati, UCF over the years, right? Mm -hmm. What's going to happen to them. They might get picked up by some of the conferences that have kind of gotten bled out, but then what happens to the Mac? You know, like what, like what happens to the rest of the group of five, you know, what happens to your San Diego States teams that have cracked the top 10 before. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Like, like and, and that's the part of this, that the, the guys at the top of this, the guys who run the sec, Greg Sankey and all who I like Greg Sankey. I mean, he's arguably the most influential guy in all of, of college football, all of college football, definitely, but arguably all of college sports because of how valuable football is alone. And how do we reconcile this, right? And at the end of the day, those guys, they don't care. They want to make the SEC big. The guys running the SEC, they just want to keep expanding the SEC. And to your point, right, you were talking about, like, what your, one of your first thoughts was being interested in, well, what does the SEC West look like versus the SEC East? There's a great writer, works at a Sparting News, named Bill Bender. I use him, we use him all the time on our channel. One of the smartest writers out there. He did like a mock, right? Just a hypothetical one, but I think it kind of makes sense. But he said the SEC West would now be Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, and AM. That's right? insane. Right? So that would be your West, which used to be Alabama, Auburn were in there, right? And so that would be your West Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, Texas AM. Your East would be Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. And to me, it's like there are four teams in both of those that are consistent winners. You know, maybe probably closer to three in both of those that are consistent winners. But I don't see how this is good for Oklahoma. Oklahoma can continue running train through all of the big, the big 12 get to the playoff pretty much every single year and playing less good competition. And you would think logically like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That sounds like yeah. something I would want to do, but you're not making anywhere near the money under your TV contract from the big 12 as you would be in the sec. And that's the thing that's frustrating because it's not a football reason for Oklahoma. It's not a right. football reason for Texas. So why are they, why are they doing it? It's always about the money. And it's bullshit, always about right? Because <clears throat> I just get so pissed off when, it's, when it comes down to this, because you're absolutely right. Uh, we have to have good conferences and good rivals. But what, what that also does, when you talk about four teams in each of those that are really good programs, you know, they have eight extremely, extremely valuable programs. It's going to water those down. You can't, mm -hmm. you just, they're going to play each other. There's going to be more losses. And I'm wondering, like, does an SEC champion with 
two to three loss. Like, is a three loss SEC team now better than any team in the Big Twelve? You know, like those discussions will start up. Yeah, and and that's where I don't I don't think it's good for anybody to have an overloaded conference. And it's like what then then the the winner of each side goes to the playoff automatically, basically. Like, okay, well then at that point, why don't you just make two different conferences? And I I, I don't know. I, it just gets really frustrating with the way it it could go and it could water down that, that, you know, whole conference, which to be honest, uh, it would be nice to see them dominate a little less, but they, they just are. And, mm-hmm. and to bring in more dominant teams is a little frustrating because it doesn't help with spreading out, you know, great teams and, and being able to have elite teams in multiple uh, conferences. Yeah. And like we had a caller call in and say something like, you know, this, if, if you're Oklahoma, you know, you know, they're recruiting at the same level and same talent pool as, as LSU and as Auburn, as Alabama and a lot of those top tier teams. So like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's basically just going into like the same tier of competition, but you know, it's going to kill the big 12. And, and his whole kind of argument was, didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Honestly, I, I could kind of understand what he was trying to say, but essentially he was trying to say that there wasn't as big of a gap between the sec and everywhere else, which your average college football fan who's not an SEC fan says that, right? Because no yeah. one wants to admit just how much better the SEC is than everyone else. Scotty and I have had this debate time after time, you know? And eventually, when you just continue to kind of drop facts on them over and over again, it's kind of breaks. Because you're like, all right, fine, you're right, right? And all you have to look at is just what conference gets the most guys drafted every single year. More guys get drafted from Arkansas every year than get drafted from Northwestern you know, with the exception of a couple of guys, a couple of years that kind of float in and out, right? Your average SEC team has more NFL talent on it than your average Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12 team, and Big 12 as well. So the SEC is the superior conference, even on the lower tiers. But again, I don't understand this move in terms of like, if you're any, if you're any other conference in America, in college football right now, you're you're hating this like the big 10 has been as com- maybe not as competitive but the closest thing top to bottom to as competitive to the sec as we've had in college football for the last 10 years the mm-hmm. acc has had their run obviously with clemson clemson's a powerhouse florida state has been at the top of the, the college football world they made two college football playoffs they won one with Jameis, but other than that the acc gets really weak once you get past the top and then you look at the big 10 and the Big Ten usually has about four to five teams that are within the top 15 to 20 ranked teams in the country. So they're kind of up there. And now you're going to look at this list and make, is it going to be year in, year out? We have eight SEC teams in the top 12 and the top 15. And it, it's so hard to even speculate on this too, because we have no idea what it would even look like. So let me ask you this, but as, as we wrap this up, because we definitely have gone long on it, but it's, it's so complicated. It's hard not to try to hit as much of it as we can. Is this good for college football? No. I, I, I just, I can't <clears throat> think it is because of the fact that it, what it would do to the conference realignments, whatever, what would happen. It, again, it's nabbing, grabbing the money that's there with the TV deals, but you know, is it good for those programs? I don't even think it's good for either of those programs like we talked about. So I don't think it's good for football, period. Yeah, I, I tend to I tend to agree. Unless it turns unless it turns into a 
unless it turns into a uh, independent organization outside, a college football becomes its own entity aside from from that, everything else, and then your group of fives and everything else. But like the trickle down, like what it does to the FCS, like it would just completely water down the FCS. The FCS already doesn't have a massive following, but there's been more, you know, upswelling and more excitement around the FCS in the last few years than there's ever been before. And the group of five already gets looked down upon. And then what's going to happen after that? And to where they're, they're going to be like, like I've heard people like Danny Cannell say, we're basically going to create the NFL equivalent of a minor league. If they do that, if they do pull aside and make their own thing, well then does that make the group of five double a, does that make the FCS single a, you know, and these, and these Mm -hmm. properties that still mean a lot to so many fans. And it's just, it's a complete money grab and it's, it's really, it's a bummer. Um, all right, we got another story we'll get to in a second, but let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the NFL who released some very fascinating uh, policies regarding COVID-19 that I think Cole Beasley's not going to be too happy about. And uh, we'll get to that after this. All right, uh, from college football to the pros, there was an announcement made by the NFL today and uh, I'm sure a lot of people have seen certain tweets about it or certain headlines and maybe have heard people's opinions on it because, look, this is going to be something that everybody has an opinion on, but it, it has to do with how the NFL will be effectively punishing teams for having COVID outbreaks. So more or less policing yourselves, accountability, dot, 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 availability. That was a tweet from Stefan Diggs, the teammate of Cole Beasley, who has been very outspoken recently about not getting vaccinated and basically saying, fuck you. I don't really care about getting vaccinated. It's my decision. I've been in the locker room all through last year and I didn't get it. And I saw guys who did, but I didn't because I did my responsibilities and all of this stuff. Right. And he's taking a lot of heat, but I don't necessarily think all of his arguments are invalid. I personally believe just get the vaccine, protect yourself. Uh, you know, we've seen it take down really, really healthy people. And and it's a really dangerous thing, especially as we're seeing cases start to surge. Um, I want to run through before we get into a little bit, Vito, just some of these uh, kind of cliff notes about what exactly uh, this policy has in store. So this is from Tom yeah. Polisaro, who is a reporter for the NFL Network, said the NFL just informed clubs that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week 2021 season due to a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited with a loss for playoff seating. Um, that is the that is the headline. That is the number one tweet. It has like over 50,000 likes. I was saying to you as we took a break there, it's got almost 20,000 retweets and quote tweets, which means people are retweeting this and now they're saying, oh my God, you can't tell me how to get what to do with my body or get vaccinated. Or it's other people being like, yeah, good for the NFL. Make them get vaccinated. You know, we should have been doing this all along. It's a very complicated issue. Now, the key word in that first tweet, in this first part of the of the rules, is an outbreak among unvaccinated players. So if you are not vaccinated and you call and you catch COVID and your teammates catch COVID and you are among the group that didn't get vaccinated, and the team cannot play still because of the outbreak, you not only can't play that week, but you are that will count as a loss. That will go in the record books as a loss. 
All right. And I get it. Everyone has their own decision, whether or not they feel comfortable getting vaccinated. We all have to, we were vaccinated from the first 10 minutes. We're alive. Basically they stick us when we're babies, they stick us with vaccines, right? Like vaccines have been a part of our society for a very long time. But again, this has become a political issue when it really shouldn't have been a political issue in the first place. And people get very, very upset about it. Now, the NFL said we're not anticipating adding a 19th week to accommodate games that cannot be rescheduled. So if there's a way within the 18 week schedule to reschedule one of those games, then you don't necessarily have to forfeit it, but finding a way to make the schedules work where you can line up your bye weeks and get that work does not seem likely to happen. Remember it's a 17 game season this week. So we're used to 17 game season or 17 week season, 16 games. It's an 18 week season with 17 games um, vaccinated individuals who test positive and are asymptomatic can return to duty after two negative tests, 24 hours apart. So basically just two days of testing, po uh, testing positive uh, or testing negative after not showing any symptoms. Um, every club is obligated under the constitution and bylaws to have its team ready to play in, at the scheduled time and place. A failure to do so is deemed conduct detrimental and there is no right to postpone a game. Now, a lot of the stuff is like legal jargon that kind of, you know, clear, it confuses a little bit, but I think for the most part, people can kind of get what it means. And the biggest penalty of all for all of the players if a game is canceled and cannot be rescheduled within the current 18-week schedule, neither team's players will receive their weekly paragraph five salary. Nobody on either team gets, gets paid. So not only would you be screwing your own teammates if you didn't get vaccinated and there was an outbreak because of you, you're now screwing over the other team and all of their paychecks. And I'm telling you now, that is not something that's going to fly in an NFL locker room. When someone else is refusing to get a vaccine and you're going to lose money from it, you're going to piss off a lot of guys in the NFL. I'm also fascinated to know, are guys going to get cut if they don't get vaccinated? Is that going to create some sort oh, of, man. is that going to create some sort of legal battle? If Cole Beasley, yeah, the union would get involved there for sure. If Cole Beasley, the face of the NFL, but also if the, uh, does the union even want to get involved with that? Dude, you know, they have, to. they have to represent their players. Like that, that's where it's going to be really interesting, which is true to an extent. So after kind of going through that, your, your gut feeling, your gut check reaction. I know you read some of this earlier. How are you feeling here? Just five hours removed from this bombshell that the NFL dropped on us. I think it'll be walked back. My first reaction is, and not initially, but I don't think you can take away people's pay for this. I also would love to know, like, there's some way they're going to keep defining it. Like, did they define what an outbreak is? Is it like over 20 players, over 30? Because the whole thing I can keep thinking back to is really like you're pissed or you're putting all these rules and crazy regulations in now. But last year when like every Browns wide receiver had it, you you were like, figure out a way to play the game because we, we need the game to be played, right? Yeah. Like, I'm kind of calling bullshit on the NFL saying you're going to, you're really going to cancel the game. You're not going to figure out a way we made it through the entire last season during the epicenter of COVID in all these cities. And we made it through all of that. And now you're going to like, now you're thinking about all this in a more strict way, like bullshit. You're going to let these guys play. 
I, and I also think personally, listen, I'm the same way. Like I got vaxxed. I don't really care. I just like did it. Cause then I, it's easier to, I don't have to wear a mask in places and it's better for the, like everybody. It just seems like the positive thing to do. If you don't want to do it, then don't do it. But also like what I think you're going to get into a battle of going back to the legal side, the union side, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's, it's a vaccine. You work in a physical place where like, I'm just thinking like, does the NFL require tetanus shots, right? Does the NFL require other things like that? And if so, like, is this going to get wrapped into a requirement, which is much different, but it's a vaccine. So I'm, I'm just thinking about the union and legal side. I deal with unions all the time uh, in my job. So like, it's just interesting for me to start having the wheels turned about like, what's the argument here? How do they fight this? What's, what's actually going to happen, right? What do you yeah. I, I, I think you're right. I, I, w- I would be shocked if the NFL doesn't kind of roll it back a little bit. But I, you know, I, in a weird way, I, I do kind of applaud what the NFL is doing, you know. I, I, and, and, yes, are you singling out certain players? And overwhelmingly, most of the NFL players have been willing. And same thing in the NBA. The vast majority are willing to go get the vaccine. And I, I would think that there has to be some sort of exemptions granted for, for certain players with medical conditions who maybe, you know, would put them at a higher risk. As of right now, I just pulled up the NFLPA has not made a comment on this ruling yet. I would expect that to come at some point within the next 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But this is a big deal, man. I mean, we're in a world right now where it's like the NFL, basically, you're right. Like the NFL got through it last year but it was a massive pain in the ass. And I think what the NFL is trying to do is say, get vaccinated and we don't want to deal with this problem again. Get vaccinated so that we don't have to deal with everything we had to deal with last year. And honestly, it's a valid argument. If you get vaccinated, then we don't, then we're not going to have to deal with the same shit we had to deal with last year. We're not going to have to go through the same hurdles. You're not going to have to go through the same hurdles as the players you know, even just the requirements, you know, like we, we saw guys test positive on Monday and then miss the game uh, uh, that was six days later. And now you might test positive on a Monday, but you're vaccinated and you can be back practicing for Thursday and Friday walkthroughs. You know, you're not going to miss any of that time. And so trying to reconcile, trying to find that common ground here. I mean, the NFLPA and the NFL have actually had a pretty good relationship, all things considered, compared to most player unions and leagues. I mean, the NBA and the NBA PA probably has the strongest relationship, but the NFL is much better, and the NFL and the NFLPA are much better than, you know, Major League Baseball, much better than, than the NHLPA and the NHL. So I, I think there probably is some sort of middle ground here but there's no question that this is a bombshell, right? And and the fallout of this, I've seen a lot of players come out and, and say less than favorable things about it. Players that you probably wouldn't even expect. You know, Matthew Judon comes out and tweets, the NFLPA effing sucks. Except he said he said the word, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure what's going to happen. Now, reports are that some guys are threatening to retire uh, former players are saying I would retire right now. Um, but I don't know. I mean, pro football talk has an interesting take here. So the NFL and the NFLPA have the power to essentially uh, create an incentive for players to choose to get vaccinated. 
which is a much more optimistic way of looking at it, no question. But technically, teams can't cut players who refuse to get vaccinated because of the collective bargaining agreement. So if a team tried to cut a player for not getting vaccinated, you would be absolutely liable for a lawsuit. But I also don't think it would even get to that point. And all you can do, and we've seen it throughout the college football media days and stuff as well, that there are a lot of a lot of guys, uh, a lot of coaches who were all over the place. We had some coaches who were like, like Dabo, who were saying, we take the time to educate our players. We're taking the time to be extra careful that we're educating our players on what the vaccine is to make them feel safe and encouraged to go take it. And then we also saw coaches who said, like Brian Harson, the new coach at Auburn, who said, I want no part of this. That's their decision. If they want to do it, they can. If not, it's not our call to tell them what to do. And in a time like this, as much as, yes, the world has opened up, despite, you know, we are seeing a, an increase in certain aspects of COVID and this new Delta variant and everything else that's kind of been going on, despite all of that, we are still in this pandemic. Like, we're not through it yet. There's too many people not getting vaccinated for us to have said that we've gained herd immunity. And that's why we're seeing COVID cases continue to rise, particularly in states with people who don't want to get vaccinated. And I don't know how you go about this. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, I'm not even going to say a politician because I think that would be, I think I, that could be a politician if I really wanted to. But all of these guys, like, and girl, I mean, across this country, like, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to say to your, someone who does not believe in getting a vaccine, go get the vaccine. Because it, it's become politicized in our world. And then how that applies to sports and unions and everything else that's going on, it's a really hard thing to try to figure out. And I'm certainly not smart enough to figure out the correct answer. But I, I, I kind of like the idea of the NFL giving an incentive for players to do it. But it feels as much a punishment as it does an incentive. And that's kind yeah, of the part say, where I'm it's this is a stick, not a carrot. You know, they're, mm. they're saying like, if you fucking do this or you don't get fucking vaccinated, we're taking your money. We're taking your teammates money. Everyone's going to hate you. Like all, you know what I mean? If there's an outbreak and you're there. And so then it's like, it's almost, it's almost like um, telling them exactly what they have to do. And they're forcing their hand, like you said, but is that the worst thing in the world? I don't know. I don't really care. I would have just gotten anyway. I did. So that's where it's like, Hard for, I, I can see the argument side, but I don't feel the same way that a lot of these people do. So to my standpoint, I'm also like, I got the vaccine. That's why I feel that I'm kind of out of the pandemic. Like I did my part. There's nothing else I can do. I, I still, I'm traveling. I wear a mask on planes, like, you know, all this other stuff, like you have to still do. I follow the rules, but I'm also just like, that's fine. I'm following the rules. You guys tell me what to do. So if the NFL or my anything just told me like, Hey, do this. I'd be like, okay, cool. No problem. Like, yeah, I, I just don't have an issue following directions from people who are like you're saying actual professionals at this stuff. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, I have no problem being like doctors are telling me to do this. All right, I'm going to do what the doctors say. Doctors tell you don't smoke. Probably shouldn't smoke. You know, doc, doc, you know, we wear a seatbelt in the car, right? It's like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I drive safe. I don't need it. Well, you know what? You should still probably wear a seatbelt in the car, right? Because people have told us, hey, you know what? That's a safer and smarter thing to do. And at this point in time, the vaccine's been proven safe. 160 million Americans have gotten the vaccine. At this point, I kind of just get the vaccine. Like, just, just get the vaccine. Just do it. You know, and, and I want to know what the NFLPA 
thinks about this. You know, that's kind of my next thing here is like, what does the NFLPA have in response to this? And as of now, we haven't heard anything, but it, it's a, it's a really, really tricky conversation to have. It's a really tricky conversation to have. And look, as more and more comes out about this, we'll, we'll talk about it because it's too, and, and anyone who listens to this pod knows that we, we don't love going down this, you know, this road all the time. We don't love always talking about this kind of heavier stuff, but sometimes you have to, because it's just, it's too big to just ignore. It's too big for us not to actually have a conversation about. And ultimately at the end of the day, just like in anything that I find overly complicated, it's okay to not have the answer. We have too many people in the world who think that they have the answer to everything, right? Just going to COVID and everybody's a genius. Everyone's a doctor. Everyone's a lawyer. Everyone knows everything. It's okay for us to be like, hey, I don't know if this is a good call from the NFL or not. But I applaud them to at least say we're encouraging our players to get vaccinated, even if it is going to be like, yeah, but if you don't, there's kind of a backhand here waiting for you on the other side, which, you know, choose whether or not you like that. I get it. It's up to everybody. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and we're going to end the show on a much happier note, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> we're going to recap our bachelor party, which if you listen to last week's pod, you know we had lines set. We had over-under set for certain things. We're going to run through that as well as give a quick recap on how we thought it went as well as Vito and I finally getting to meet and the embrace heard around the world <laughs> in the parking lot on 10th Street in Ocean City, Maryland. And uh, we'll get to that right after this. Y'all, it's time. The moment I think every everyone's been waiting for. I mean, we've been doing podcasts left and right. And uh, I don't know if I've gotten as much reaction from people as I did about The Bachelor Party. Now, if you haven't listened to it yet, click pause, go back to our last episode, and listen to the last, like, 20 minutes. I think it's, like, the, the 110 mark we went over this. It was me and Scotty doing the pod. We called up Vito. We got the three of us on. And we gave over-unders – and we gave our picks for our over-unders as to what we thought this bachelor party was going to look like. And first and foremost, it was an awesome weekend. We had a ton of fun. Vito and I, as he said at the top of the pod, we met. And I, I was sitting in the garage. I, me and Scotty were the first ones to get there. We drove up together. And then our buddy James pulls up. And then next thing you know, Derek and Vito pull up. And, and Vito and I make eye contact always in the car. And Vito just gets out of the car and makes this beeline like right at me and just comes in. And I'm talking like I've had good hugs in my life, dude. I've never felt more love and more like, oh, my God, this guy in my life, dude, than I did when Vito was just coming at me, giving me this big old bear hug. We we hugged it up. We were there, dapped, hugged the whole nine. It was it was awesome. I wanted to ask you, oh. though, Vito. First impressions on me in person. Was I taller than you expected? You were taller than I thought. You are a pretty tall guy. So that was that was a shock, but it was just awesome, man. Cause you're right. That was one of the best hugs. Like, I don't know. It just walked up, bam. It was like straight chest to chest and arms to back at the same time. It was just like, fuck yeah. So stoked to meet this person. But I know you. That was weird far like it was a huge moment like i need to find out about you right like it was just instantly we were like boysing out again so that yeah. was really cool it was really fun to do you could i'm telling you, you could not have fit a quarter between the space of me and Vito's hug like from <laughs> from like shoulders to like hips you could not have fit a quarter in between any of that gap like that's how tight the embrace was uh we had a ton of fun we did beer olympics on friday which was great team read option 
We made it to the finals. We lost on Flip Cup. I put my hand up on on the team. Scotty said it was his fault. You know, you know. I look. I'm a team player. Like I'm going to say it was my fault first. But if we're being honest, it, it probably was Scotty's fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's on the pod, so it's his fault yeah, today. It, but yeah, it's no, but it was you know his fault yeah. or whatever. It was is what it but is. But the thing is, we we wanted to throw it because we wanted the Bachelor to win. We yes. wanted that. So we were we were teamed up against Kenny. Our, our, the, who was the bachelor we yeah. had him against him we said you know what it's friday night first night of the, of the weekend we got to make sure that kenny starts us off with a dub you know this weekend's about that we said it was one of our rules when we were going through it you gotta keep the bachelor in mind and we you know we we chicago black Sox that thing we, we threw that pretty pretty damn hard uh tim donahue was our referee <laughs> it was <laughs> it was funny so uh so this is what we had for our over-unders for people who missed this. We had toast given was at two and a half people passed out before 4 PM at any point throughout the weekend at 10 and a half group shots at four and a half guys who made the 8 AM tea time. We had at eight and a half total bars for the weekend, seven and a half and times we couldn't find veto at three and a half. So those were our lines, right? Going into this now, uh, Scotty and us, we all had kind of different picks for this. But I'm not going to go through every single one of them. Um, but it is worth noting, Beer Olympics, golf early in the morning. We had 8, 8.30 tea time, and it was about a 20-minute drive. So we were out of there by like 7.15, 7.30 to get to the, the, the club in time. Gorgeous golf course. Shout out to River Run Golf Club in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. They were, it was a beautiful course. They took care of us. They were fantastic. And uh, after that, we went out. We were drinking at the, at the house. We watched games uh, five of the NBA finals that night. Our boy DJ and I had a spirited debate in which I absolutely destroyed him and the likes of uh, Milwaukee Bucks, you know, trying to trade for James Harden instead of Drew Holiday. And it was just, it was, it was a whole thing. But, you know, I mean, look, one of us had a podcast. One of us didn't. Who was going to win that? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. <laughs> well, here, right? there was- it doesn't matter. Revisionist history. It doesn't matter what happened in the argument you're writing the history and what people are saying. So if you tell them you won, then you won. I mean, that's, that's, that's the right. The people, the people know who won. It was funny though, because <laughs> in classic dudes having a sports argument fashion, and I actually loved it. Like we had a great time. We had gone out to dinner on Saturday and, uh, and in classic guys fashion, there was somebody saying to me, you know, like, are you guys still talking about this? Yeah. There was that yeah. one guy, like, are you guys still debating this? And I was like, yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's what several beers do had a great day on sunday went out to a beach bar went to our mm-hmm. shout out pickles pub pickles pub was our dive bar the weekend we went to uh both nights and it, it was all around great weekend so uh toast given over under two and a half i think we crushed i think we hit the over in the first night yeah, i was yeah. i was way wrong i had the under on that uh we were i was way off on that you and scotty were right uh i didn't think we were going to do it but no there was toasts galore on on that one so that hit the over people passed out before 4 4 p.m and i was proud of us on this one because the number that was set was 10 and a half zero people not a single person there's there was one alleged nap at one point Vito, i know you took a nap but that was after four yeah other than that we did good we we were up and moving pretty much the entire time and uh it was bang 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 no naps. No one passed out before four. Uh, group shots at four and a half. I, I think on Sunday alone we covered that one. <laughs> but no, seriously, we a hundred percent 
we're at five at least on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday Sunday was the reckless day. It was the last day, <laughs> and you're at a beach bar. The tables were set out. They had tables set up in the water. If you've ever been Shout there, there's a bar called Secrets. You're literally like there are tables in the water, and I know I know you got to run here a little bit, so I won't keep you too much no, longer. But but there was there was a moment. So we're sitting <clears> here, and it's like there are literally like like metal couches right like the people can sit and then there's like a table set up out in the water and then there were just like tabletops that are out in the water and we say out in the water i mean we're talking about like up to your like mid like up to my like mid thigh right and i'm six one so like it's pretty deep water that you could go out there and we're sitting out there there's two tables up there two tabletops and we got like 12 guys standing around it and we just like left our phones on top of the table <laughs> with no concern as to whether they would fall in like none no. whatsoever. Like there wasn't a single moment that any of us were like, you know, this is probably a bad idea. And we, somehow we escaped. Not a single person dropped their phone in the water. Like, honestly, the, the greatest achievement of the entire weekend was that nothing bad happened. No. Like the worst we, thing. We, we got after it every time. And the worst thing was like, uh, probably Saturday night when that one hostess cried, but that wasn't our fault. That wasn't our fault. No, she was. Just that was over- not our fault. She, she was just a little overrun. She was just a little yes. overrun. And uh, we felt bad. We moved tables for them to help make accommodations. We're oh like, yeah. Oh, I hope she's okay. We asked the waitress, which any waitress when she's waiting on a bachelor party is always an experience. Shout out to Courtney. Shout out to Chelsea. We had a great time. <laughs> I think there. Phil anyway. was taking care of the other table. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Time. It was. It was a whole time. We asked her at one point. We're like, Hey, did you? Does your boss like normally cry? And she was like, Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> it's like all that, the time. She's like, Yeah, it happens. <laughs> um, so yeah, group shots hammered the over on that. Uh, yeah. guys who made it to the 8 a.m. tea time. This hit the under. And and this was like the best line I said because I had an eight and a half, but it was decided the night before. So everyone yeah. who woke up to go who was intending on golfing did end up golfing. But uh, we had two guys who we thought were going to golf who ended up not actually golfing. And uh, and that actually ended up being uh, – so that, that kind of decision was made the night before. We were all drinking. We were like, oh, yeah, who's going tomorrow? And then I realized, like, oh, wait, we're at eight. Like, I think that's our number. Like, even if someone yeah. doesn't show up, we're going to be under. But everyone who wanted to go golfing did make it. So that's a win for us. Uh, total bars for the weekend at seven and a half. Uh, depending on how you want to split up secrets, if you want to make that multiple different bars, which I wouldn't personally, uh, we right. definitely hit the under on that. I think that was ended up being like three or four that we ended up going to. Uh, and then times we couldn't find Vito, another goose egg. There yeah, was, man. There was one moment that I said, where what happened to Vito? Where'd he go? And you were just taking a nap like later like later on. It was like six o'clock and you were just like, I'm just resting up for the night. And, and then you popped yeah. up like out of nowhere, you know, like an hour later. But other people <laughs> knew where you were. So uh, no times that we couldn't find you, man. That's a big win. Well, it was huge because I think there were some people there that definitely matched my late night energy. So like uh, Frankie Vapes. Shout Frankie out to Vapes. Boy, Frankie Vapes. Like it was awesome because if I wanted to go off at night, Frankie was right there. He, he Frank was going in, and so like we were still together. But I thought a couple nights I would definitely just go rogue and see whatever, and just walk around, you know, bar hop. But really, we, we had a group and we stayed together pretty damn well. Well, I, and that's thought- and that was the best part of it was like the group was perfect. It was it was the absolute perfect energy. We had all different types of guys. We had all different types of personalities. A ton of really funny people. Yeah. You know, like I was saying this Great on Friday. People. I was saying this on Friday night, like I was on a, I was on a comedy heater, bro. Like I, like, I don't think I've ever been as funny in my life as I was on Friday night. And like, I was like, I, I set the bar 
way too high. Uh, but it, all in all, it was an absolutely phenomenal weekend. We had a ton of fun. Uh, Monday driving back was rough. Uh, not going to lie for myself. You ended up going, you and James ended up going up toured a bunch of different stuff, but all in all, man, it was about as good as a bachelor party as you can pretty much have. And, and I think everyone yeah. involved had, had an absolute blast. Yeah. Shout out to Derek for playing the whole thing. Kenny's yeah. bro. Um, but we had an absolute blast. We met, we went off. Um, it was after that vacation I had taken. So I, I, it, you know, it was a week for me for sure. Uh, <laughs> had my fair share of alcohol and, uh, had a great time with all the guys. And I was, I was hoping I could match the energy still. And man, I, I Luckily, yeah, it was the latest one back every night, except for that one Saturday group that was out late. Uh, yeah. the, whole, the whole thing was wild. If any of you guys that listen want to actually get some great tips for what you want to do in Ocean City, Maryland, me and Jeff got your back. We yeah. have all the info that you need. Yeah, no no question. Shout out uh, Pickles and uh, shout out to Lunch Meat Ham. I, I would say that that's pretty much all you need. No, no need for backstory on either of those. Uh, pickles you probably get because we talked about the bar earlier but look all in all it was we had like i said we had an absolute blast wedding is going to be a ton of fun and uh there will definitely be another update on the pod when we when it comes to wedding weekend when the when the wedding weekend's there yes. uh there will be a pre-wedding we'll do another round of over-unders for the for the wedding night Dude, and uh i'm just thinking out loud here but i feel really bad for the girls so at the same time as we're on this bachelor trip a bachelorette party there's a bachelorette party and i just feel bad for the girls because i think when we all hang out again we're just gonna all gravitate towards each other and bro out so hard again and they're all gonna be standing there like what the hell like, <laughs> they're not hanging out with us you know? well and so, and so many of them are already friends so like for them it was like oh it's like girls trip all friends whereas we had like yeah. this group of guys where so many people <laughs> had never met each other before and yet we just all clicked immediately the second the drinking started the second we all got there it was it was a whirlwind and you're absolutely right we're all gonna have moments we're gonna be laughing about ham and people are like what are, why are they talking about ham we made rum ham if you have seen always sunny in philadelphia uh you'll get that reference but uh look all in all like i said i know i just said all in all three times in a row but trying to recap a weekend like that is is virtually impossible. So, uh, buddy, it was so awesome seeing you this weekend, uh, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. We're gonna do a hopefully much more mild version of what we did. Oh, uh, God no, we're going after it. It will be more mild because it's only one night, maybe two. We'll see how this goes. But or we're just gonna uh, have to jam pack it all into one night. That's that that <laughs> it's gonna go one way or the other. It's either gonna be a little more mild. Or it's going to be everyone. Now, granted, all of my family and, and family friends are going to be there. So for me, I might have to take a step back. I think I had my my crazy night on Sunday, but no, it, it was great. And yeah. uh, and I'd also recommend if you're planning a bachelor party, bachelorette party, and uh, you know you're you're or you're getting married and you're engaged, plan it at the same time because it worked out tremendously you don't have to worry about one party worrying about the other party you know the wife worrying about like the, the bride worrying about what the groom's doing you don't have to worry about any of that because everyone's just out there having a great time so uh thank you for hopping on talking everything nba finals congrats to bucks and bucks fans Tech, uh, college football realignment again in the most crazy way we've ever seen and the NFL doing NFL things and just dropping news in the middle of the week that just steals the headlines from literally everything else going on. So thank you, buddy, for hopping on. Yeah. Always have me, bro. All right, buddy. We, that is it for us. We will be back next week. Two pods next week. Have an awesome, 
awesome interview lined up that I am so fired up for to share with you guys. Uh, and that will hopefully be coming out next week, as well as another pod. We're going to recap the NBA season and it's almost football time. You know, that's what happens when, when, when basketball season ends, just like the layout of our show, basketball first, basketball ended, boom, we're into football. So get ready for college football previews. Get ready for NFL previews. And all of that will be coming up here on the read option throughout the next few months because it's officially football season and we are almost back almost back so for Vito I'm Jeff take it easy everybody